This week, I've been working on a sermon that will be preached at Ascension the weekend of November 5th and 6th. I will be preaching from Luke chapter 20, where Jesus was questioned about his views on life after death. The Jewish leaders, the Sadducees, tried to trap Jesus with a gotcha question that they hoped would expose him as the fraud that they knew he was. But as you might have guessed, Jesus turned their gotcha question into a moment of, now wait a minute, who has who here? Oh yeah, this would be a great Sunday to invite a friend to worship with you as we look at common ideas in our culture about life after death and then hear from Jesus the sure and certain hope that we have in Him. But in choosing the Luke passage to preach on, it meant that I had to leave the Old Testament reading from Exodus 3 for another day. Oh, but it was so good, I, I just couldn't leave it lie. So, I wanted you to enjoy it right now, too. The, yeah, the first 15 verses of chapter 3, it's all familiar stuff. It's the account of Moses and the burning bush. There's no need to hear right now, rehearse this well-known story of, you know, Moses taking off his shoes and hearing from God that he is now going to save his people from slavery in Egypt. Ah, but if you look just a little bit deeper, you'll find some very interesting oddities that need to be examined. For example, why is Mount Horeb called the mountain of God? Mount Horeb and Mount Sinai were... Where, where God gave the Israelites the Ten Commandments are thought to be the very same place. How did this mountain get such a reputation as the Mount of God even before all of these events? A reputation that endured for centuries, for you might remember that the prophet Elijah fled to this mountain in 1 Kings chapter 19 when Queen Jezebel threatened to kill him. It was at this mountain that God came to Elijah to encourage him, not in the earthquake that broke the rocks apart, not in the wind or the fire, but in the small, still voice. This seems like a really special spot on the map where God and people come together, and yet today, we don't make pilgrimages to Mount Horeb. And to be honest, we're not even 100% sure where it is. So, how it came to be special and why it is and not now has, you know, it has the same reason. Yeah, it, that, all that is known. God's presence is the answer. When He was there, it was His mountain. When He wasn't, then it's just a mountain. It doesn't matter if it's forgotten where it was or, or where you know, it used to be. You know, even as Pastor Mike and all the fellow travelers have made their way now to the Holy Land and, and this very week are looking at all these sites um, and, and they see the places where Jesus walked and taught and lived and died and rose again, the, the places of God's habitation are historically significant, but not in and of themselves significant. It's just the place that it happened to happen. It's the difference between a house and a home. The house itself isn't the main thing, but you are. You make the house a home. And if you no longer dwell there, then it's just a house. So it is with God. It's 
His presence that makes all the difference. You know, think of Jesus' words to His followers when He said in John chapter 14, verse 23, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. You are the dwelling place of God. No need to travel to a mountain. Jesus has made you that place. But there's more to see in this familiar reading. Next, when Moses takes notice of the burning bush and comes to see the strange sight, he is commanded to remove his shoes, for he's on holy ground. And when Moses hears that the one speaking to him from the bush is the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, he hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. And yet, just a few chapters later in the very same book, Exodus 33, listen to Moses make this huge request. He said to God, Oh, please, show me your glory. Yeah, I want to see you. And God answered him, Whoa, whoa, whoa. I will make all of my goodness pass before you. But, he said, you cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock. And while my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. And then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. The initial terror of being with God gave way to a longing to see Him as He is, and God gave him just a tiny little peek of my backside. <laughs> The day is coming, though, when we too will see God. The disciple of Jesus named John tells of that day in Revelation 21, verse 3. For when Jesus comes again on that last day, He will bring the new heaven and the new earth together as one. Listen to John as he wrote on that last day to come. He said, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be His people, and God Himself will be with them as their God. Oh yeah, we will see Him, live with Him, and never say goodbye. What joy awaits all who are with Jesus. But there is at least one more strange item in this reading from Exodus chapter 3. And that is this curious objection that Moses gave to God. Yeah, he was all worried that if he showed up in Egypt, uh, that he might be quizzed uh, by the Hebrews as to, who is this God you claim to have encountered? Uh, and what if they ask me what your name is? What am I going to tell them? You know, of all the oddities in this text, I find this one the most strange. As far as I know, this was the first time that God had ever revealed his personal name as he said to Moses, well, tell them I am has sent me. <laughs> Wait, did, did the slaves in Egypt know that this was the name of God? Was it like a security question that was necessary for the login? Yeah. If this name was so special, then why don't we use it today? Again, to be honest, like not knowing exactly where Mount Horeb is on the map, we are not 100% sure how to correctly pronounce the name that God gave to Moses. 
I mean, we know the consonants, but not the vowels. If this name were so important, then you would think that when Jesus taught His disciples to pray, He would have said, pray with this name, I am, or Yahweh. That's how we think it's pronounced, but we're not 100% sure. Instead, the name that Jesus gave was a name that described the relationship and not the person. When you pray, say, Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Yeah, when you ask a small child what their father's name is, you know what they'll say? Oh, that's my dad. Yeah, and the father wouldn't have it any other way. To his child, that is his name. To the rest of the world who are not his children, yeah, he's got a name. But for his own, it's father. You are the dwelling place of the living God. By the invitation, the work, sacrifice, the resurrection of Jesus, the living triune God has made you His home, and a day is coming when you will see Him face to face and never again leave that new creation, your forever home. You know His name, Father in heaven, and call upon Him to pray, praise, and give thanks. Amen. Hope to see you all then in Bible study and worship this weekend. Oh, and Pastor Mike will be back and will preach his final message from the book of Jeremiah. Please bring your trunks and your trunk or treat uh, to the event this Saturday and Sunday at either Maple or Tyler campus. And we're going to have this big event for the community. Hope that you'll be there too.